0: And here in your prayer.
1: Holy Spirit in our lives tonight. The song. The song opens our heart to God's voice, to his leading. So when I sing songs like this, I hear the questions I ask: Lord, what are you saying about my marriage? What is it about Pam that I need to see? My wife, Pam. What is it going on in the hearts of my, my children right now? What's happening in my heart? It's in these moments the Lord speaks, He whispers, He leads. We shouldn't rush out of these moments. We so just ask those questions Lord, what are you saying? If you're married, Lord, what are you saying about my wife? What is, what's going on in her heart that I need to see tonight? If you have children, what's going on in the, in the lives of your kids? God wants to speak that to us as men. God wants to show us what's happening in the hearts of our children. And then ask you, Lord, what's happening in my heart? What's going on with me? What do I need to see about myself? And it's here in your presence, Lord, that we hear your voice, that we're led by you, that you speak and we listen. so many books and conferences and things you can go to, to learn how to disciple people. Let me tell you what I do. This is if I disciple people, here's what I teach them. If you teach people to hear the voice of the Lord, you've made a disciple. If you teach people to lean in, if you teach men and women, if you teach your children to lean in and listen to the voice of God, you've made a disciple. Jesus would say this many times as he was teaching and as he was training, he would say, those that have ears to hear, let them hear those who have eyes to see, let them see. And then he looked at his disciples as he's about to leave them. And he said, listen, my sheep will hear my voice. I will speak and they will listen. It's a big deal. If you want to, this is, this is a, the, the only pathway I know to becoming a mature Christ follower is to listen. To listen for his voice. To be obedient to what you hear. To train yourself to hear God. It's the only pathway I know. You can read all the books. You can say all the right things. But unless we learn to listen and lean in. That's my prayer for the men of new life. It's a prayer for my son, Abram. He's here with me tonight. He's 14. He's becoming a young man. My prayer for him is that he hears the voice of the Lord, that he learns to listen and obey. Amen? Amen. It's good to be with you tonight. Good time to be with you. I want you to find some guys. You know, there's a lot of guys that have, by the way, have, there's, uh, we've got a, several calls that men from other churches were going to come. Anybody here? All non-new lifers, raise your hand. We're glad you're here tonight, by the way. Glad, welcome. Glad you're here. Yeah. Where's my new life man? Where's all my new life men? Yeah, Here we go. Love it. Good to have you tonight. I want you to find some guys. We're not going to rush out of this because I want you to really turn and find somebody you don't know. And this is not just the pastor giving a chance for the band to get off the stage. I really want you to find somebody that you don't know and introduce yourself. All right. Try to make a new friend. Introduce yourself to somebody right now. good to have you tonight. So glad you came. Good to see all of you. And tonight I've had this anticipation, you know, this so excited about John being with us tonight. John Eldridge is, uh, I, I can't, I was trying to think John, when I met you, I'm trying to think even it wasn't like, a, I don't remember anything epic happening. We just kind of ran into each other one time. Well, one thing I knew about John when I met him, I said, I, I think he's going to be my friend. You know, I like this guy. And, and what, I, what, I, um, what I love about John is that John says what he means. He means what he says. He doesn't talk in code. He's, he talks straight. I don't know if he would. He probably wouldn't say this about himself, but I'll say it about him. I think he's a prophetic voice to men. I think he's becoming a spiritual father to, to men of our generation. I, I, I love him. I respect him. Years ago, I think we all read Wild at Heart at some point in our life. And, you know, I grew up with guns and horses. I didn't know what all the fuss was about. You know, I, thought, I thought everybody grew up like that, with guns and horses. And, but I loved his book you know, and appreciated him so much. He, um, he, he doesn't know this, but really sitting in his office for the last... Three, not a, We don't meet a lot, but once in a while we'll get together, talk for some time. And it was in his office talking about sonship and what it means to be a spiritual son that this i just wrote this book called sons and daughters and it, it was in his office that a lot of those chapters were written i'd get home and, and the conversation that i'd had with john eldridge has stirred up all this stuff inside of me that i think god was saying to me and and he he's been a huge influence on me and a, a close friend somebody that i could call and talk to and you know and and be transparent and honest with and john's one of those guys that's a, he's a good listener and a, he's a wise he's got wise counsel and I just uh, so appreciate him being here tonight. I know, how many of you, by the way, have been in boot camp? How many of you have gone to his boot camp? That, uh, I mean, it's a lot of you. Good. And, um, I mean, it's, I, I've had, I have a close friend. I think he's probably watching tonight in Australia. He was, he, uh, he was working in Australia right now. And he went to John's boot camp at a time in his life. He's a very close friend from Texas. And um, at a time in his life where he was at, a, I mean, a real pivotal point, a place where he could have went either way in a lot of areas. And it was the boot camp where he met with God, where God did something in his heart and changed him forever. And these boot camps are just powerful for men to go and be a part of. And I'm so thankful for John's influence, his wisdom, his voice. And I want you to give a huge welcome tonight to my friend, John Eldridge.
2: hear me? Do you, There we go. Thank you. Um, honored to be here. Honored that you're here. Thanks for having me, Brady. Um, there is a, I want to start with a passage from the life of David that I think is um, a treasure for the masculine journey. It takes place in 1 Samuel. And uh, you recall the story, the army, you know, massive army has come out against Israel and they're gonna get wrecked, and um, and they send out Goliath and saying, "Look, we'll you know we'll kind of cut you a deal." They used to do this, by the way. It was a very efficient way to handle war. You know, one guy dies, the whole country surrenders. And so they said, "You know, send out your champion. We'll send out ours." And this you know enormous mercenary comes out, trained killer. And uh, David shows up and he says, "I'll do it." You know what, 15-year-old kid? It's like, send me. And uh, remember, Saul tries to talk him out of it. And I love what David says to Saul. This is really, really crucial to understanding the initiation process of masculinity. Here's what David says. It says, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and killed it. (laughs) You're like, holy cow. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Whoa. I mean, there is a confidence there. Um, There is a genuine strength, not faking it, it's not posing, right? I mean, he's the real deal. And he's describing something really beautiful and really crucial to our journey as men. Things have taken place in David's life out in the field alone with God that have enabled him to step powerfully into you know, what he's facing now. And here's the deal, guys. Here, here's the thing that really um, continually knocks us off balance. Life is always frontier. Have you noticed that? You get one thing figured out, and then you move on from that. And you're like, you're like I, was re- I was a great dad for young boys. Pretty simple. Legos, wrestling, ice cream. You know, it's a home run, right? And, and then they become teenagers, and it's brand new. It's all frontier, right? Marriage. I mean, dating to marriage to a wife who's then entering menopause. I mean, it's always frontier. <laughs> Have you noticed this? This is really crucial. Do you know why that is? Do you know why life is always frontier? Your life is continually changing, facing new challenges. Do you know why that is? Okay. Okay. That's why you're here then. Good. Um, <clears throat> before I go into what I think is the process of initiation, how God initiates us is with men, let me hit pause and let me go back and say um, if there's something that's really core to masculinity, it's that we want to be powerful. Really. I mean, we just passed through Halloween and you saw those little guys in their costumes. Fathers of young boys here, three to, you know, 10 years old, 12 years old. What your sons dress up as? what they want to be? right? Jedi Knights, yeah, warriors, yeah, the army guys, superheroes. Do, do you understand that when you are a boy, superhero is a career option <laughs> No I'm not kidding, right? They don't look at it as oh, that's really cute, what what a cute fantasy world that uh, you know no, like like when that little boy puts on the Batman costume he's like. This is a possibility. <laughs> this kind of fits, you know? I could be this. I could do this. I, I feel it in me, you know? Do, right? Do you remember this? OK, here's another classic snapshot of that. I'm watching some college basketball last night. I was watching the Duke-Kentucky uh, game, and you got a bunch of seniors on Duke playing a bunch of freshmen on Kentucky. And, and Kentucky starts to get some momentum and, and, and kind of take Take charge of the game, senior <clears throat> Mason Plumley crashes through three guys, bloody nose, gets it to the hoop, slam dunk. And you know what they do after that, right? What do they always do after that moment? You know, they're running and jumping chest in and, you know, this and the other team, and, right, talking smack. Okay, that moment right there, oh, a man wants to be powerful. A boy wants to be powerful. You guys who play video games, right? Halo. Okay? Call of duty, right? All of that, I mean, yeah, you want to be powerful. You want to you be something to be reckoned with. You guys who play golf, you step up to the tee, there's this little white ball, okay? <laughs> you, you just want to give it a little tap? You want to knock that sucker into king come. right? Okay, uh, just begin to kind of let your heart track with me. A man wants... To be powerful, it's it's what we are. It's what we're made to be. I was wondering if bazookas were allowed in the city limits. Is that the other day? I was just thinking how cool it would be to own one. Right, guys blowing stuff up. This is what it's all about, fellows. The fast cars, you know, making big money, all of that stuff. Getting the getting the bombshell, gal. It's all about being powerful man wants to be powerful, and you are meant to be. You are actually powerful, and you are very dangerous. It's just that your enemy has tried for years to take you out, and to take away that power and that strength, because that little boy who's wearing that, you know, Spider-Man outfit, I mean, he believes, right? He knows. He knows he is made for something epic, right? There's the heart of a of a warrior in him, but then something happens from boyhood to manhood where we lose heart. We lose a sense of being powerful in our world. We long for it, <clears throat> very few guys have it, very few guys feel powerful. It's a different thing than being competent, by the way. I'm not talking about being proficient at a skill or feeling a sense of competency. That's kind of a truce that we make with life. Just let me be competent somewhere in my life. I'm talking about a sense of power, okay, sense of power. So when your wife is crying and you walk into the bedroom and she's bawling and you don't know why, you feel really powerful in that moment, right? I mean, you are just going to move confidently into her nightmare. No, no. I mean, there's no way. <clears throat> do you, I mean, think about, think about, do you, do you feel just really kind of at ease asking for a promotion? You feel at ease asking for a raise? You feel at ease around other men who seem to be powerful in their worlds? Right? Do you, I mean, are you, you guys are in high school, you, you feel pretty easy getting in front of the class and making a speech? Feel pretty easy walking into a new group of friends. No, it's scary. Trying out for the team, right? We long to be powerful, we're not sure we are. That's the masculine dilemma. And life is always frontier, so it's always requiring you to be powerful. Like uniquely, creatively, unscripted, genuine strength. Most guys don't feel that, right? Do you You guys feel, you feel comfortable and, and at ease Telling your wife that you are leaving for 10 days to go hunting. Do you feel comfortable and at ease initiating sex with your wife? After you told her that you're leaving for 10 days. Yeah, see, you're sitting there going, yeah, no problem, yeah, no problem, yeah, sure, that's easy. Oh, man. We're meant to move into our world powerfully. When I um, had younger boys, I have three sons, um, as some of you know, and I have got two in college right now. I've got a freshman and a senior and my oldest son, Sam, out of school and about to get married in January. When my boys were younger, one of the things we did together was we go rock climbing in Garden of the Gods. And to put a boy, you know... Amblay and, and give him a rock to climb and invite him to, you know do something a little crazy and something a little scary, it, it does things within the masculine soul, that, that sort of initiation process. And it was so beautiful that last spring, my son Blaine, calls me he's the senior and he says, "Hey, Dad, do you want to go climbing in Joshua tree?" So we met in Southern California and went out to the desert to go climbing. And he's leading climbs that I used to do when I was 21 in Joshua Tree as a young man. But now here's my son doing it. And he's gone from a boy who was under kind of the protective care of his father, and he's on belay, he's top roped, to a confident young man who's leading climbs that frankly now, you know, 52, I'm not really sure I'd I'd wanna lead that anymore. And and he's even gone so far as he went and got the outdoor wilderness guide job at his school. So he's leading wilderness trips and taking people climbing and teaching them and ski trips and that kind of thing. That's what David is describing. I have faced the lion and the bear, and so I can move confidently now into this new thing that's scary, that's uncertain, don't have a script for it, don't know the outcome, but I can move into that with strength. There's something that takes place in the soul of a man from, from boy to man that either strips that away or, or imbues it in us in a powerful way. One, one of the two things. And, and, of course, the crucial ingredient is who is there to initiate you? Who is there to show you the way? My, um, my son Sam's actually getting married in January, and he's got a lot of questions about love. He's got a lot of questions about life and about career. So we've been writing each other back and forth. He's asking questions about what it means to marry this woman and make life work. And I wrote him something um, yesterday that I thought you might find helpful. Um, and here's what I said to Sam. I said, um, Sam, I feel like a warning is in order. A weather report, maybe like a six month forecast on new marriage. There's something I've seen happen so many times in a young marriage. It feels like it might be, if not a rule, at least a principle. Most young brides get messy after marrying. In a young marriage, it feels like at some point they kind of fall apart. And here's what's going on most women fear they won't be chosen. That's a woman's worst fear, by the way, guys, that she won't be chosen. This is huge for understanding women. A woman's worst fear is abandonment. So in order to make sure they are chosen, most single women do everything they can to come across as put together and doing fine and independent and strong and sexy, right? Put your best foot forward. This includes pushing all of their internal issues down and out of sight. Okay? Some of you are sitting here going, Oh, my God, you are describing my marriage. Okay? They hide their brokenness. Totally understandable. But then, once she is chosen, once she is safe and loved, and the young hero has said, I do... Something inside her goes, wow, I've been chosen. I'm actually loved. I don't have to keep it together all the time anymore. I'm okay. And so the internal issues she's been pushing down come to the surface. It usually surprises her. It always surprises the young man. (laughs) All right? So as a father going on, here's what I said to Samuel. It's actually a compliment. Really. Really. It means she feels safe enough now not to live in fear of not being chosen. She feels love. It's actually a recognition of your strengths. But here's the deal. The reason I'm offering a heads-up is this. She is not the report card on you. Okay? This, This is where most young guys get taken out. Her stuff comes out. She gets messy or kind of falls apart. And suddenly you feel like a total failure at this. This is so common. So listen to me, pal. She is not the report card on you. The crucial thing for you to know is that a young man can't be looking to his wife for the report card on his life. Okay? That's not where your validation comes from. Now, I share that for two reasons. One, because there's a lot of you that need to hear that. But more to illustrate what would it be like to have a father who is showing you the way through the frontiers of life that you're passing through almost constantly. I mean, don't you long for that? Don't you wish you had that? It would be phenomenal. And, and what I'm not doing is kind of saying, hey, look at me, what a great father. There's a lot of places I failed as a father. What I'm saying is that there is a longing in us for someone to show us how to navigate the frontiers that we're constantly facing to move us from an uncertain boy who's excited about things to a confident man who can handle his world. That's what we need. That's what we're designed for. We want to be powerful. We want to be dangerous. Most of us don't feel so. Now, the promise of the scripture, God says to us, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons. And to be honest, my reaction to that for years was, Uh, no thanks, I'm okay, I'm a Christian, I mean, I'm good, believe in heaven, love Jesus, not really interested in this father thing, thank you, I'm okay, doing all right, and part of that has to do with my experience of father, and my dad kind of flying the whole family thing into the side of a wall, and his alcoholism pretty much destroying our whole family experience, wasn't interested in fathering, didn't want it, wasn't looking for it, except I kept hitting these frontiers in my life, like I get married and find out my wife has an eating disorder. That's what she was hiding in order to be chosen and not to, you know, be rejected. And then this thing comes out in our marriage, and I'm like, oh, I did not sign up for this. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then, you know, career things and all of that, and trying to make men thing work in church and find friends. And then I began to realize, whoa, whoa, this this offer of someone who can actually father you through your life. It's the secret of Jesus' life, actually. Now, hang on, hang on. Before we can appreciate Jesus as any kind of role model, any kind of help, there's two things you have to know about Jesus, okay? One is um, Hebrews says that he shared in our humanity. Jesus was actually human. He was real. Now, I know he's also God, and how he pulled that off, I don't understand. But the deal is, on earth, he chose not to be. Okay? He emptied himself, Philippians says. He was, he was really a man, really. Okay? When, in that famous story of, of John chapter uh, 4, when he meets the woman at the well, it says, Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, he sat down by the well. Did you know that Jesus got tired? He got tired. Okay? He was thirsty. He was actually physically thirsty, not just on the cross, but there at the well. The woman comes up and he says, could, could I have a drink, please? It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. After the temptation in the wilderness, 40 days of fasting, right? it says he was hungry. Did, did you know this? Jesus was not faking it because he becomes absolutely irrelevant to us other than this kind of vague savior thing. When we, when we look at Jesus as, yeah, well, he's kind of the exception, right? He wasn't really a man. And he's kind of blowing through life, right? Oh, no. Jesus chose to live life as you have to live it in order to show you how to do it, okay? And all of his examples would be utterly worthless to us if he wasn't real. He was human. Jesus' humanity is, re- I mean, remember the story of, of Gethsemane? it says that he was sweating like great drops of blood. No, he wasn't sweating blood. He was sweating like great drops of blood. Okay. he is, It said that he was in anguish. That doesn't sound like somebody just coasting through life. Okay, Jesus is real. He's really a man. This will be crucial for you. And the other thing you have to understand in order for Jesus to be any sort of help, guide, model for us it is that Jesus was an immensely strong man. These these pictures of Jesus always in the white robe, right, with curly hair that's kind of oily, you know, sort of wimpy Jesus, speaking in a soft voice, right, verily, verily, I saith unto you, right, All those pictures of Jesus, right? Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He's always got, like, sheep around him, you know, or children in his arms, right? I mean, Jesus, the first metrosexual, you know? Really? Really? Is that what you actually meet when you meet Jesus of Nazareth? What about the story in, in John about the clearing of the temple? Jesus makes a weapon. He makes a weapon in a premeditated act of aggression, and then he uses it to drive people and um, livestock from the temple area. I mean, whoa. That, I mean, can you imagine trying to do that? Imagine just rushing into this room right now, and you've made yourself some you know, whip with you know, some cords or something, and you come rushing through and try and clear the building. <laughs> i mean, like, go for it, tiger. You know? <laughs> Fat chance ain't gonna happen. Can you imagine the power that it took to clear the building? Holy cow. Okay, what about stopping the storm? He's cashed out in the boat. Disciples are freaking. They wake him up. They say, Jesus, like, we're drowning. Don't you even care? And Jesus turns around. It's almost like, you know, he kind of looks around. He's like, stop it. And it does. And then they land, and he meets Legion, right? The guy who's foaming at the mouth. He's literally so demon-possessed, he has superhuman strength, he breaks his chains, and so he's living out in the tombs. This guy comes rushing at you? How are you going to handle that? (laughs) Right? I mean, major shrinkage. You just think of the moment there. (laughs) Right? And Jesus, Jesus who's not relying on some kind of secret little magic show that he's doing, Jesus, as a man, handles those situations. He's constantly picking a fight with the Pharisees, right? He calls them sons of hell. Hey, you sons of hell. You shut the kingdom in men's faces. When you find a convert, you make him twice as fit for hell as you are. I'd sit in the Bible, okay, in red ink. So those two things will help you immensely begin to understand why he can be a role model, how he can help us, because there was a secret to his life. The secret to Jesus' life takes place, well, at least you see a verbal demonstration of it, right after his baptism. Remember what happens? Jesus is baptized in um, the Jordan, by John, his cousin, comes up out of the water, and God kind of breaks protocol. There's only a few times that God the Father does this in the Bible, where he actually speaks like this, where everyone can hear. Now, he speaks all the time in our hearts, as Brady was saying, and learning to hear his voice is really crucial for navigating this frontier. But this is one of the times where he just does it, and I think he's so excited he can't help himself. He literally, like, leaps to his feet, and and, and hears Jesus. And remember what he says? There's two things that he says that are the secret to Jesus' life. He says, you, you, I adore. I love you. I love you. And he says to him, and you are amazing. I love you, and you're amazing. That is what every boy has been trying to hear from his father all the days of his life, until you are ninety-two. Those are the things that that masculine soul desperately craves: love and validation. This is what we need. This is what we need, you know, to move from you know, a little guy on belay, you know, learning how to kind of climb some boulders to strong young man leading the wilderness program at his college, right? The, the, this is what David in the field learns in order to be David versus Goliath, okay? This this is core to the masculine journey. This is absolutely non-negotiable. This isn't an option. I love you, and you're amazing. In other words, this is my beloved son. In him, I am well-pleased, okay? Get the kind of the religious language off of it. He is saying, Jesus, you have my heart. I adore you, and I am so proud of you, You have what it takes. That's it. That's it. If a man gets that in his journey, he's good to go. He's good to go. He can walk confidently into that bedroom with his crying wife, and he can say, sweetheart, what's wrong? And when she says, it's us, he stays in the room. (laughs) And he says, really? Really? Tell me about it. I'd like to hear I want to know, okay? That, that, it's the guy who's able to walk into his boss's office and says, you know what, I'm working here for seven years. You guys aren't paying me enough. Now, he has a confidence to step in. A promotion comes up, or you want to try out for the team in high school, or you want to get up in front of the class and you know, hit a home run in your speech, or you know, try out for the school play. That's the confidence. There it is. Your servant has faced the lion and the bear. I've handled that. I can handle this. There's a confidence there in it, 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 the initiation of the beginning of that, the, the root of it, the powerhouse of it is, I adore you. I adore you. And you have what it takes. Because remember, a man wants to be powerful, right? Little boy, Spider-Man, Batman, Jedi Knight, wants to be powerful. When my boys were young, we were going on a trip to Ireland And I was trying to do, you know, kind of the let's make every experience educational dad thing, right? Teachable moment and all that stuff. So I was reading to my boys some, you know, things about Ireland and kind of the history of the Celtic warriors and how Christianity was actually saved in Ireland when the, you know, Visigoths kind of sacked Europe. And I was trying to kind of get them excited about this trip. Well, here's what mesmerized them. This, This is the one thing they retained. One thing. I was describing how, in battle, the Celtic warriors would actually strip naked. This is true. And wearing only a torque, which is like a a leather or a rope kind of band around their neck, shield and sword, they would run screaming into battle. Completely unnerve the Romans, right? (laughs) who were in their, you know, little skirts and all their things and the woo, you know, they kind of got all that going on, right? And here come these wild men rushing at them buck-freaking-naked, right? I mean, that would do it, that would do it. So it's about an hour later, I'm in my office at home, door flies open, right? Yeah, you got it, you got the story. And in come these little Celtic warriors, fuck naked, you know, brandishing whatever they could find, you know, swords and spatulas and stuff, and they come screaming into the room. Okay. The boy knows. The boy knows that he is meant to be powerful in his world. Dangerous. He's meant to be a warrior. He knows it. And somewhere in there, if that love and validation doesn't take place, he'll lose all of that. And then that's where you get the uncertain man who's dying in his marriage and hating his job and drinking on the side and looking at a little pornography just to numb it all, right? He's just dying inside. No love, no validation. In fact, probably something worse, right? Hatred and violence, right? Neglect and abuse, silence and shame. The masculine heart must have these things. You cannot move powerfully in your world when you're 12 and when you're 40 and when you're 60. You can't. Not without this. And the crazy, I mean, the, the mind-blowing thing is this. If Jesus of Nazareth needed to hear those words, I love you, I think you're amazing. You're so powerful. I'm so proud of you, son. You have what it takes. Think of it. If Jesus needed to hear that, how much more do we? I mean, it's just staggering. It's like, oh, my gosh. Someone speak that into my life. And then I began to connect the dots. Oh, that's why we need God as father. That's why we need someone. Because this love and validation thing isn't once. I mean, it is at every new frontier. It is often and often and often through the course of our lives. We need to know that we are the beloved son. And we need to know that we have what it takes. We've got a question and the question needs an answer. We, ha- we have a question and the question needs an answer. And if you want to understand men in your world... Um, just look at how they're trying to get their question answered. Where are they taking their question? Right? Because most of what all we do all day long as men is the search for validation. And so we find some area of life that we think we can get a little bit of that. So if we're smart, you know, we go into grad school. And if we're really great at athletics, you know, then we go in kind of the whole sports thing. Right? Or, Or if the girls fall for us, you know, kind of the handsome, girly boy guy, you know, then we go that direction. Right? Just look at what men do to get their validation. Constantly seeking it and, and, and pretending in the rest of our world. It's why you stay away from all those areas that you're uncertain. Right? I mean, This isn't rocket science. We go straight to those things where we feel powerful. We stay away from everything that might expose us as not having what it takes. That's what we do. But that's not an authentic strength. That's not a genuine masculinity, right? This, this kind of constant ping-ponging between, please, somebody validate me, tell me I'm amazing, please, you know, and, and then staying away from, you know, some guys invite you to, hey, you know, we shoot hoops down here at the church on Wednesday night, come down and join us. And, you know, if you're not a sports guy, something in you goes, ah, oh, you know, ah, no, I'm busy, thanks, <laughs> no thanks. Right, you never go there, right, because you're afraid of being exposed, or, if you're great at sports, you're there every Wednesday night, but you won't talk to her daughter, or your daughter, you won't talk to your daughter about her choice and friends. You're scared to death to raise a conversation with her. Because you don't think you have what it takes there. Do you see how this works? Oh, this is it. This is, this is it. This is the core of the masculine experience. Right? You have a question, and the question needs an answer. Every man is haunted by it. Now, let me pause and, and repeat again what I said to Samuel. No woman can ever tell you who you are as a man. Can't ever happen. Doesn't work. That's why pornography doesn't work. Doesn't work. Right? If it worked, you wouldn't need it anymore. Right? Pornography is the, it's, not about sex. She makes you feel like a man. Right? For one moment in your day, there's, there's something in you that just gives that sense of, oh, I feel powerful inside. I feel manly. Right? I mean, to get an erection, you feel like a man. You feel powerful. Right? That's what pornography is about. This is really going to help you. No woman can tell you who you are as a man. She can't validate you. And here's the great thing. If she's not the report card on you, then guess what? She can't invalidate you. If you take your question to Eve and you say, please, please, tell me who I am as a man. Make me feel better as a man. Oh, that's a double-edged sword. <laughs> because if you think she can give you a pair, what can she take away? <laughs> Most men experience their marriage as a fairly emasculating experience, right? Yeah, because they're looking, they're, they're, he's uncertain. He hasn't gotten the love and validation he needs from a father's source, from a masculine source. You can Masculinity is only bestowed by masculinity. It's only bestowed there. And the journey that we need, David's secret, Jesus' secret, oh, you, go, you go all through this. Joseph, this is all through the scripture. Joseph is the beloved son, right? He gets the coat. You know, his father, he's, and look at how confidently he moves into his world. He knows he's loved and he knows he has what it takes. He's a little naive, right, at first, right? Hey, I saw all you guys bowing to me in this dream of mine, you know? (laughs) Young warriors rush into many battles. They should not be fighting. But nonetheless, right, you see the confidence there. You see it in David. You see it in Moses, It's just absolutely beautiful. You see it in the life of Jesus. You have a question. The question haunts everything you do. The question is, do I have what it takes? And what you need is the experience of a father figure, a father voice, a father love coming to you and saying, you do, you do. I see you. I know you. I adore you. And you are amazing. You can handle this. You can handle this. One of the things that we would do kind of in our fellowship of men is we initiate our sons into masculinity, when they're 13, they get a shotgun. And the moms kind of freak out over that, you know? But the point is what we're saying to them is you can handle this. You're dangerous now. Now, obviously, there's training and gun safety and all of that, and we go bird hunting and that sort of thing. But the point is simply that the boy longs to know, longs to know that he's powerful, and wants experiences where he gets to be powerful. Right? And the father is supposed to initiate him through a thousand experiences, a thousand times over, where the boy begins to discover wow, wow, I do. I do. So that when Goliath comes along, whatever Goliath looks like, whether it's cancer, right, or your wife having an affair on you, or your daughter turning up pregnant, your son, right, smoking dope, whatever that Goliath is, there's something in you that goes, I can handle this. I am taking this thing down, right? That warrior rises up in you in a genuine strength, and you go, I'm not backing down from this. No way. you're meant to be warriors. We are in a fellowship of warriors. You are meant to be dangerous. Right? All those boys and running around with their, you know, lightsabers. It's not play. It is rehearsal. <laughs> I, I swear to you, right? They are practicing for the real battles that are going to come. And, oh, baby, do they come. Okay, so I love you, and I think you're amazing. You are loved, and you have what it takes. First, before you can begin to experience the power of that, you actually have to stop and you say, what do I believe? How has that question been answered in my life? Beginning with, what was your experience with your father? Did you know that your father adored you? And did he tell you, you have what it takes? Because you have an answer. You you know, if, if you're already, if you're 10, you have an answer to this question. You know, if you're 47, believe me, you've been living with that answer for a long time. How is your question answered? Because as you begin to put some words to that and name that, you'll discover why you are the man you are today. How you experienced love and validation has shaped you, and we call it our personality, but it's shaped you into the man you are today. Okay? So, you know, guys who say, I just, um, I don't really want to speak up in the meeting. I don't really have anything to say. What actually took place was Back at home, when he was six, and he tried to find his voice and say things, his father shamed him for it. You're so stupid. Can't believe the things that come out of your mouth. Or, or it's a lot worse than that. I mean, I'm obviously editing myself for a, a church audience, but he did, he did not get love, and he did not get validation. So now he's a hesitant man. It has nothing to do with his personality. He wasn't born hesitant. He was born to be powerful. But what happened was no love, no validation, and probably something worse, right? So you just look back and you think, how was that answered? How has my question been answered? Because it's shaping me today. It's shaping me into the man I am today. What is the answer that you're living with and where did it come from? That is a really crucial thing for you to think through as a man. What do you believe about yourself as a man? What, what do you believe? Do you have what it takes? Are you deeply loved? Are you the beloved son? Do you expect good things? Because right? the beloved son expects good things. He thinks good is coming to him. Because all through his childhood, he was just blessed on and loved on and good stuff. Ice cream sandwiches, right? And, Rise with dad and wrestling matches and Christmas and birthdays, you know, and he got to be the Jedi Knight. And he got to have the lightsaber that lights up, right? He knows he's the beloved son. So when he gets older, he can look to God and go, I I expect your love, I expect your blessing. Not in an entitled way, He he just, he's good. He knows he's loved, right? And he knows he has what it takes. He can move confidently into these frontiers that are just, you know, coming at us like waves. They just continue to come at us. That's one thing after another. He can move into that. What I want to say is that first you you have to take a pretty honest assessment of how is that answered for me? Really, truly, how is that answered for me? Do I feel powerful? Do I feel dangerous? Do I feel like a warrior who's able to handle life? And if not, what do I believe? And, and here's, a quick, here's a quick thing. What do you say to yourself when you blow it? Pardon me, but things like effing idiot you know, comes out of your mouth, right? Well, there you go. There you go. There's your answer. Who told you that? Who told you that? Where'd that come from? You believe that pretty deeply because it's what comes out of you when you you know, rear-end somebody or have an argument with your wife and you walk out of the room and you're saying things to yourself, right? Where'd that come from? What's the answer to the question? And where did it come from? Because God wants to do two things for you. He wants to dismantle that and he wants to give you a real answer. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons. That's the promise. Romans 8 has this beautiful verse where it says, you haven't received a spirit that leads you to fear. You have received a spirit of sonship. Of sonship, right? By which we cry out, Abba, Father, confidently, with an open heart. Guys, I I just cannot emphasize how important it is not to fake this, not to fake this. Because the thing that's really killing in church is, you know, you kind of look around, you go, well, they seem to be okay, they all seem to have it together. So okay, yeah, I, you know, I'll go in and I'll raise my hands in worship, and I'll, you know, I'm a lot, you know, but inside, you don't believe any of that. You don't feel like a beloved son. You, you don't feel like you have what it takes. So honesty, honesty, honesty. Honesty will always be your friend, okay? What is the honest answer to the question that every little boy is asking? Do you love me? Do I have what it takes? What's what's the answer? What'd you get? Because once you're honest with that, God can begin to dismantle it in your life. He can begin to break the power of those curses, you begin to break the power of the... They're almost like sentences that we live under. You know, I mean, the, the, the stuff that happens. Fathers on their deathbed saying to their son, you're going to wreck the family business. You know, seriously. Son's getting married and their father's saying, on their wedding day, I give it two years. I mean, this, this stuff goes down all the time. Right? And it becomes like a sentence that you live under. And The beautiful thing is this. ah. Oh, like like if people knew what Christianity could do, they would be ripping the roof off to get into this thing. That what Christianity offers is this. God says, I, I can actually heal that. I can heal that. I can dismantle that for you. And I can, ta- I can tell you and show you that you are my beloved son and you have what it takes. Let me father you. Let me take you on this journey of masculine initiation. We got a lot of gaps. We got a lot of unfinished business in us. Some of us, it is in the financial world, and some of us, it's sexually, and some of us, it's just even in a a sense of of just gender confidence. That's okay. That's okay. Sure, None none of that's past God. He can handle all that stuff. All of it, but but it, it requires you opening your heart up to him, and, and allowing him to come in and dismantle. You know what was given to you, or not ever given to you, as a boy, as a young man growing up. Those events that were, you know, took your heart away, and, and then he can restore in you the heart of a warrior. The beautiful thing in the story of my sons and these young men who are moving into their world so beautifully is that I didn't get any of that. I didn't get any of it. Not until, not until I was in my 20s and 30s and I discovered the warrior Jesus and his very, very unreligious father. <laughs> God is not religious. He actually hates religion. He hates it. Who's the the one group that Jesus constantly got in fights with? Constantly. Yeah, he hates the religious. Hates that stuff. Jesus is a real warrior. And the thing that's so beautiful about him is that he can heal all that brokenness and he can restore your warrior heart. Now, I want to do something together here. While we're in this place while we're kind of connected in this, we're going to just kind of listen. We're going we're to kind of ask. It's sort of listening both to our own heart and to God. We're going to ask these questions. We're going to pray, but I, I want you to just be, just be silent and just listen for a moment. Listen. We're going to ask God, show me what I believe about myself as a man. Jesus, show me what I believe about myself as a man. And, and, and like, wow, suddenly like you'll remember what you say to yourself when you blow it. Or you'll suddenly hear, you know, again what your father used to say to you. Or like he'll show you. He'll show you in a hundred different ways. But just quietly, Jesus, Jesus, what do I believe about myself as a man? What's the answer to my question? What did I hear? Jesus, we invite you to speak to us. Pray that you would take away the unbelief. Pray the way that you would take away the fog. Pray that you would take away the the scales from our eyes and open our ears and help us to hear your love and help us to hear your voice right now. Show each of us, Jesus, um, what was the answer to my question? What do I believe about myself as a man? Do I believe I'm loved? And do I believe that I have what it takes? And the more important thing as we're beginning to pray into this is, Jesus, I give you permission to this part of me. I give you access to this part of my heart. Because for a lot of you, you have shut this down pretty hard. And Jesus waits for permission to come. And he waits for permission to access these places in us. Jesus, what do I believe? What do I believe? Show me what I believe. Show me where that came from. I give you permission to this part of me. Another question, another way of, you know, Jesus is just asking us right now well, do you feel powerful in your world? Do you feel powerful? And we invite you there, Jesus. We invite you right there into the doubts, into the confusion, into the pain, into the uncertainty. We invite you right here, right here. We need a father. We need a father. And we need love and we need validation and we ask you to come right here. So Jesus, what do I believe? show me what I actually really believe and another way that Jesus is asking the question right now is he's, um, what he's saying is well what is your fear what is your fear what do you fear Because a lot of times what your fear will do is it kind of leads you in through the, through the side door into, oh, right, well, uh, there you go. I, my fears are showing me what I actually believe about myself. And I, And Jesus says, invite me there. Invite me there. Invite me into your fear. Invite me into the shame, into your doubt. And we do invite you there, Jesus. We invite you right into these places. Show me what I believe about myself as a man. And then the beautiful thing of Christianity is is you say, Jesus, I ask you to begin to dismantle all that the enemy has done to take me out. I ask you to dismantle the things that were spoken over me. I ask you to come into the neglect. Maybe it was just silence. It's not that you got a violent answer to your question. You just got no answer. You come in, Jesus. Jesus just promises, I can dismantle this. I can heal you. I really can. I can heal this. Do I have your permission? Do I have your permission to heal this? And then part of what's really important just in this process is to break agreements, to break agreements with the sentences that you have been living under, okay? So you actually break agreements with it, you know? And and again, just permit me because, you know, if it's I'm such an effing idiot, right, Or, or what those things are, you break agreements with it. I break agreement with that. I break agreement with it. You know, your fears, what you believe about yourself as a man, as Christ is showing you these things. Even if what you're feeling right now is just uncertainty. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to those questions. Break agreement with uncertainty. And you invite Christ in. You invite Christ in here. So here's what we pray. We pray, Jesus, show me the agreements that I've been making against myself as a man. Show me the agreements. Yeah, see, and then just bang, bang, bang. You know, agreements like, um, I, I can't handle this, whatever this is. It might be a marriage right now, it might be the fact that you have no job. You know, that would be an agreement. I can't handle this, I'm not strong enough. Agreements like it's too late. It's too late. You break those agreements. So, Jesus, show me the agreements that I have been making against myself as a man. And, and for some of you, man, these are lifelong. These are lifelong agreements. Show me these, Jesus. Jesus. And as he shows you them, you break them. I renounce this agreement that I will never be loved, that I'm not worthy of being loved, that I'm a failure. I break those agreements, I break agreements that it's too late. You break agreements like, I I don't hear from God. Break that. Break that. Or even the agreement that goes like this, I don't want a father. That comes out of a deep, wounded place in you. that That is a really painful agreement. You don't want to live in isolation. And break the agreement that I don't want a father. You break these agreements. And we invite the love of Jesus here. We invite the love of the Father here. Because our core need is, Father, show me your love. I need your love. I need to know that I am the son you love. I need to know that. I need your love. I need your healing. And and I need to know what you think of me as a man. To to ask God what he thinks of you as a man. Now, let me tell you something. Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The voice of the Father will never be condemning. Okay? So if you hear the repetition of what your father said, that's not God. That's not God. He says, you are, "You are my son. I love you, you're mine. You belong to me. Let me father you. Let me father you. Drop your guard. Drop the distance that you've created between us." And so we're, we're praying, "I need your love and I need validation." I desperately need validation. Speak into my life the words that I I didn't get, the words I still need to hear as a man. Show me you love me. Speak over me. I, I ask you for your validation, and I ask you for eyes to see it. I ask you for ears to hear it when you are bringing it to me. I want a father. Just in prayer right now, I want a father. And I am a beloved son. You just, you just almost confess it over your life. I am a beloved son. Father, come to me in your love. Come to me and show me my strength. Restore my heart as a warrior. I ask you to restore my warrior heart. To handle everything that is coming at me. I need your love. And I need to know what you think of me as a man. Come and speak over me. Come and speak into my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen? Okay, that's just huge. Now, what I, what I have done tonight is simply open up a category. It's just an invitation of a way of understanding your life and a way of walking with God. Okay? Most men look at their life as a series of hassles which they are alone to fix. No wonder you lose heart. But a new model, the model that Jesus gives us is, no, actually it's a process of initiation. Those aren't hassles. Those aren't hassles. They're warrior training. It's warrior training. And in the midst of it, you need love and you need validation. You need to hear and feel and experience the love of God. And you need him fathering you through those experiences. That's what, that's what we crave. That's what we need every day of our life until we are 103, okay? This never goes away, never goes away. It's the essential craving of our hearts as men. So, it, you know, just to, what we prayed and, and the way we looked at this, it's an invitation to begin to pray and to look at things like that. You begin to walk into that. Now, I'm telling you, It will change your life. It will will absolutely change your life. It's the offer of the gospel, right? I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons. Cool? All right.
0: Let's all go ahead and stand. I'd like to invite spontaneously here, we're going to have a ministry time, and so if you're a small group leader or a pastor here at New Life, or one of the churches that's represented, I'd like to invite you, just go ahead, come on down right now, and turn and face all the other men, and we're going to give men an opportunity, if they would like to receive more prayer, to just be able to take a moment and have uh, some of you guys pray with them. And so let's just take a moment real quickly, and if you would, would you stretch out your hands, and we've, I really enjoyed that prayer time that John led us in individually, let's take a moment and just corporately respond to God, and and then we'll let you go. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you as God warriors, and we take this exhortation, this call, this, this life word for each one of us, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak your affection into our hearts. We want to be validated by God and not other things, God. And we choose tonight, for some it's new, for some it's fresh, for some it's a reminder, for some it's it's, it's a fresh word from the scripture, young, middle-aged, old, but God, it's for all of us. And so all of us tonight, we just receive your word, Lord God. We receive, we ask that you would lean over the balcony of heaven and speak over us. You're my son whom I love, whom I'm well pleased with and validate us, God. Lord, we ask that you would give us your strength to become warriors in our community. God, we ask, Lord Jesus, that in this city, God, we would not shrink back in fear, but that we would move forward in faith, God. We love you. We love being your sons. So we pray that even tonight you do a supernatural word, God, and validate. Let this sink in. Let this this be a life word that doesn't just be something we forget about in an hour. God, we want this to go deep into our hearts for years, for decades to come. Help us to instill it into our own children, God. Father, we want to be fathers, even as John talked about the way you deal with us. Man, we want that for our own kids. Give us strength in Jesus' name. We love you tonight, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming tonight. If you'd like prayer, we've got some guys that are up here, and I want to invite you just to come on up here and receive prayer. If you'd like prayer... uh, Come on forward. Thanks for coming tonight. Have a fantastic evening.